Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. So with me today to talk about Bobby Miller is, I mean, listen, uh, Eno's, I am honored to call, I think I'm honored to call a friend of mine now, right? We're friends, right? I think we could say we're friends. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah, right? (laughs) You you like text me all the time, Eno, right? You like love talking to me. Eno and I are friends and I am obviously honored to have him on this podcast. And if you're going to have a pitching podcast, you obviously have to have Eno on. So very, uh, very excited to have you on today. Thank you for taking the time to join me today to talk. Oh, thank you. I and I hope you say that sincerely because it's like really another one. Do we need this? <laughs> <laughs> Is this what we need? I like I like this idea though. I like this idea. We're not trying to give you a, a, a top five list. We're not trying no. to not trying to do the hottest pickups. And uh, you know, we're just gonna deep dive on one guy. I love that. We're gonna deep dive on one guy exactly. So let's go ahead and do it. All right. So we're talking about Bobby Miller today. So I'm gonna start by giving people a quick just overview of what we're looking at, right? 24-year-old right-handed pitch from the Dodgers, top pitching prospect within the Dodgers system at the moment. Last year, put up some elite swing and miss numbers in the minors, struggled a bit with command. ERA was understandably bloated because he was in the PCL, the Pacific Coast League, very inflated run environment. This season, four starts over his first 23 innings, 0.78 ERA, 2.18 FIP, 357 Sierra, 26% K rate, well above league average, 8% walk rate, right in line. Whip, 0.83, yet to give up a home run, 90% left on base rate, 211 BABIP. It's a small sample size so far, largely. Ground ball pitcher, 54% ground ball rate. I'm going to do the arsenal real quick, and I'm going to throw it to you, Eno, for a question. Jeez, Alex, you have a guest. You might as well let him talk. His arsenal, sinker, slider, change, fastball, curveball. Predominantly sinker, slider, all of his pitches above average velocity to right-handed hitters, largely sinker slider to lefties, primarily sinker, 20% chains up usage, followed by an even mix of slider, four seam, and curveball. My first question for you, Eno, before we begin to break down that arsenal individually, what has stuck out to you overall about Bobby Miller through his first couple of starts? I mean, the gas. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all for today. Thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> I mean, gas makes all things better. I mean, you, you're gonna you're gonna hear mm. us. I think talk about some aspects of his pitches that may not seem ideal or comp weirdly or. Um, you know, don't stand out in a good way. And you might afterwards be like, is he any good? You know, and I want you to remember that he has gas. I mean, sit, sits 99 uh, on both fastballs and uh, you know, the, the, the sliders 89, uh, even the curve is 81, 80, 88 mile an hour change. I mean, like, 
He's got gas on all of his pitches, uh, Bobby Gascan, whatever you want to call him. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's the underlying piece. And, you know, I just wrote a, a deep dive into where the strikeouts have come from in baseball. And, yep. um, you know, what happens is that power hit, uh, hitters know that the power's out in front. And so they do, they don't necessarily always want to live out in front. They want to fashion a thing that'll hit line drives, you know, through the zone, flat through the zone. But if they catch something early, boom, homer. <laughs> So with that in mind, with the, the power living out in front, you have a 99-mile-an-hour guy. The other piece that was interesting was we had some research that suggested that batters swing uh, based on if the pitch would have been a strike if it was a fastball. Mm-hmm. So that's a fancy way of saying batters sit fastball. They have to start fastball. They time to the fastball. And if everything's 99, that just makes everything else better. So ca- Velocity has this cascading effect. So I, d- I don't mean to be facetious when I say he throws the ball hard, and that's a big. That's probably the biggest uh, part of his uh, success. But it, it just it bleeds into everything else. You know, everything else is better if you have to start that swing to hit 99. I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil the ending of this podcast because you actually kind of got to it already and it cracks me up. I find that there's a Dunning Kruger effect when you're talking to people about pitching, right? There's people who are like, Yeah, I know everything there is to know, and maybe they're at the beginning of the Dunning Kruger. Then there's that kind of, you know, growth and they learn and then they kind of get to that plateau at the end. And what I find was with those guys is they're able to sum up a pitcher very eloquently with very few words. Right. There are people I know <laughs> he told them like, <laughs> That's it. Like, if you want a a TLDR about Bobby Miller, I I just gave you a five-minute podcast, right? right. Done. Done. Bobby Miller throws hard. I also love the notion of, like, remember that scene in Blazing Saddles where everyone's sitting around eating beans farting? You remember that scene? Like, I want to do that, but comp, like, his face. Like, every pitcher who has gas, I just want to comp them (laughs) on there. Let's talk about the, let's talk about the sinker. You already, you already hit the nail on the head there. 99 mile an hour average velo, 99th percentile. He's thrown 141 with just 29 batted ball events, but so far, 8% swing and miss, 75th percentile. Relatively good at called strikes, very good at uh, mitigating hard contact. The movement profile in and of itself, right? We want to get into the nitty-gritty of it. 14 inches of induced vertical break on his singer. And for those listening, what's induced vertical break? We break it down in the first episode with David Cohn. It's essentially carry or rise or vert or hop without gravity. Uh, Higher the number, the more carry or vert the pitch gets. So league average, I think, is about, for a sinker, about nine. So he gets a lot more carry or rise, 14 compared to nine induced vertical break on that sinker. If we're looking at right-handed starters with a minimum of 100 sinkers thrown, that would be the fifth most in baseball, right? Other comps that are there, which is interesting in terms of movement, not velo, Michael Waka, Cal Quantrill, Jamison Tyone, who all throw sinkers with the same amount of vert, but obviously Miller is doing it 98 miles an hour, right? What I also found was interesting in terms of release point, he is releasing as close to first base as possible. Only Corbin Burns uh, releases closer to first base in terms of his sinker, right? And I believe overall, I think his his release point is closer to first base than any other starter in baseball. He doesn't necessarily get elite extension, kind of average extension, but the extension he does get allows the effective velo to play up even more. So by the time it's getting to home plate, it's about 99. So a few questions about this. The first is... Is it a bit reductive? Or, oh, excuse me, I should say it is a bit reductive, but is it, quote, good or bad 
to have a sinker that rises in your mind? Um, I think it's just a two seam. Mm. <laughs> I mean, That's I just, it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's my model uh, that that tries to sum up a lot of these things. Stuff plus does not love sinkers, and I think that yeah. sinkers are uh, difficult to study. Um, I, I think that also the league, if you look at the number one pitch type that people are throwing less over time, it's the sinker. Um, and so you wonder how these models intersect with, with league behavior, right? If the model keeps spitting out the sinkers, no good, then you're not going to throw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily totally wrong, uh, to not love sinkers, but at the same time, it must be missing something because this one seems like a decent sinker to me. Um, and so I wonder if it is just all the velocity, but I don't, I do know that one plane or sort of, or, or, or like non sinker sinkers, two seamers, maybe, um, they have, they have, uh, a lot of value too. Um, you know, uh, I don't know that Corey Kluvers is a great, uh, um, model for this, but, uh, a two plane sinker does allow you some front door action. Mm-hmm. um that on lefties um that can be a little bit more of a problem i think if it's a two plane if it has if it has drop too right because imagine you're front dooring a lefty uh with a pitch that you want to come back to the plate so front door it's at his hip he thinks it's the ball he doesn't swing it comes back in uh and becomes a strike if that's two plane and he does swing if it's one plane you can do it you know, near his hands, and then it almost functions like a cutter, where it's like a sure. pitch on his hands. Uh, if it's two plane and it drops, that's sort of a, a lefty sort of dropping the barrel to it. Like that's a lefty sweet spot is down and in in a way. So um, there are some benefits to having a, a two plane. And you know, for what it's worth, for both the fastball and the slider, I don't know necessarily the basis for this, but I have heard pitchers say they want to match the X and Y. Sean Manaya said it to me most recently, and he he trains over driveline. So I'm wondering if that's something he'd heard there. But you know, if you want to match the X and Y, uh, and in this case, there is a little bit of matching matching X and Y for both of his fastballs um, mm. in, in, in sort of different ways. So uh, I I would just say uh, if we called it a two seamer, would we be having the same uh, discussion? That's interesting. So can you can you actually break that down a little bit further on matching the X and Y for people who might not be as familiar? I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, so I apologize there. But what exactly that means to match the X and Y? Because we talked a little bit in the last episode about pitch grids, right? And where a a, a four seam would be on a, you know, kind of an X, Y axis. If you're looking at kind of like a graph that you would see in math class, you know, most four seamers would kind of be at the top of the Y axis and curveballs would be at the bottom of the Y axis and sweepers would be to the left of the y of the x-axis what does that mean though in your words about matching the x and y well i mean you you uh, quoted his uh, vertical movement and his horizontal movement i have it here from alex chamberman's leaderboard as uh, 13.6 uh, ivb vertical movement negative 14 uh, uh you know horizontal gotcha. so basically 14 14 Mm-hmm. Uh, for Bobby Miller, and um, on the fastball, it's uh, it, it's a little different, but it's it's similar. It's you know fifteen twelve or something, um, and uh, so I, I think that um, just that's uh, sort of massive movement in a way, um, and 
like too plain except mm -hmm. i just said it wasn't too plain it's too plain and like vertically you know like it's yeah i hear what you it's mean a thing that goes like this yeah 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 you know? oh i gotta i gotta get that gif that. <laughs> <laughs> um so i don't know um i think that's um you know maybe and i just finished talking to mckenzie gore about how uh he wished he had more wiggle and so he's he's a very one plane sort of yeah. guy um and so you know i think just i i don't know exactly why it doesn't show up in every uh stuff plus graph that two plane is better than one plane um but i think that's maybe maybe there's uh, it's an easy takeaway to give a, a pitcher you know try to match those two numbers um so but i would say one thing that stands out for me uh from the sinker and and skipping ahead maybe to the four seam a little bit for bobby yeah. miller is just i'm not sure we're differentiating i'm not sure i'm not sure we're splitting them up right it's a very interesting conversation so if you're looking at you know with the pitch grid that we're talking about often you we, we talked last episode about pitch separation kind of wanting to see pitch separation and what happens when those pitches start to bleed into one another and whereas you will often see a uh pretty marked difference in pitch separation say between a four seamer and a change up or often a four seamer and a sinker there is a strange kind of spill to skittles effect that starts to happen with bobby miller where yeah the four seamer starts to blend into the sinker starts to blend into the changeup overall um there's one last kind of thought on 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 this sinker and and the the thoughts on the rising sinker we reached out to josh herzenberg over at driveline who we talk about a lot in this podcast he's very informative super helpful in talking about pitching he says the batter doesn't see the pitch and say oh that's a rising sinker they see a pitch with poor movement there's no distinction between a two seam and a four seam when you're in the box the distinction lies within the movement Right. Which kind of echoes what you were saying as well. And it is a really good transition over to that four seamer. So let me let me break down that four seamer real quick. We'll come back to the slider because there's a lot of good conversation to be had here about that. We're, we're blessed with a lot of elite four seamers this year. Right. Um, we got Bryce Miller. We got Mason Miller. Um, you know, we got Taj Bradley and then we got Bobby Miller. And while Bryce and Mason's they show kind of elite carry. Right. Bobby's is a bit different than what you would typically see from the more elite four-seamers we've been talking about. Overall, it's been far and away his worst offering. Again, minuscule sample size, but it's been the pitch that's been getting hit more so than the others. Just eight batted balls, but not a lot of swings and misses, and they're hitting it hard. Um, the league average amount of vert for a right-handed starting pitcher for a four-seamer is about 16, 16 inches of induced vertical break. Bryce Miller, um, or Bobby Miller, gets uh, 15, right? A couple weeks ago, we talked about Bryce. He gets 19. Bobby gets 15. Less than league average. Yeah, some big contrast there. It's a big contrast, right? What makes his four seam unique, though, is the amount of run or arm side movement that he gets on the pitch. So for a right-handed pitcher, the more run, the more the pitch moves in on the hands of a right-handed hitter. League average horizontal break on a four seamer for a right-handed pitcher is about seven. Bobby Miller gets 11. Right, were he to qualify, though, would be the eighth most run for a right-handed starter in baseball. If we add the average velocity into the mix, then we are lumping in his four-seamer with Nathan Eovaldi, Luis Castillo, and Hunter Green. And if we want to even get more specific and include the 15 inches of induced vertical break that he gets, then we're really comping it to Hunter Green's four-seamer. Worth noting that Green's four-seamer a bit more vert, a bit more run, but that really is kind of the closest comp in my opinion. Um, the difference also being that Bobby Miller, again, left side of the bag, first base side, first base side. 
So that was a lot of information. But for you, what's your comp and what do you think? Well, a few things. What's your comp? What do you think makes his four seam unique? And if you're a pitching coach, are you saying, hey, even though the small sample size has been poor, maybe we should lean on that four seamer a little bit more? Um, yes. Uh, unfortunately, that answer is a conditional to another pitch we haven't talked about yet. So I'm going to stick with the four seam for a second. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I did the comp 98 plus miles an hour, 15 uh, plus induced vertical break, 10 plus horizontal. Um, and the only other name I can add to the list is Ryan Stanek, who is pretty filthy. So mm-hmm. uh, I think being on a list with Stanek and Green, uh, you know, there's also Andres Munoz and Zuniga um, are two relievers that uh, profile somewhat close, but don't have the same vertical movement on their four seams. I think this is a good pitch. And the reason why I think it's useful is, um, again, it's related to the changeup. Um, oh, and okay. I can I can go over that in the changeup section, or I can go up that now. But um, you know what you what you've got is the changeup profiles better in the ways that you traditionally profile a changeup if you profile it off the four seam. Mm. Um, but again, if you just look at Brooks baseball, uh, and you look at how often he's throwing his, his pitches, it says he's throwing the pitches, you know, the four seam 40% of the time and the sinker, you know, 10 to 20% of the time. If you look at Savant, he's throwing the four seam 40% of the time and the, uh, I mean the sinker 40% of the time and the four seam 10% of the time, which one is it? Um, I do not necessarily have a great answer. Um, I, I do think that his surprising numbers on both fastballs, um, not being so great is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you were, you were mentioning some numbers off the four seam that didn't, hasn't performed well. Savant says that he's, uh, he's thrown 10 four seam fastballs and they have a zero slugging. And so Savant's putting all those poor numbers on the sinker. And listen, I have uh, utmost respect for the people that do this work. And I've looked at the scatter charts and I don't know exactly where the four seam ends and where the sinker begins. So uh, I, I wonder if this is a problem. I wonder if it's a problem. I do know that it's something that I've heard brought up with Luis Ortiz, a mm-hmm. pitcher for the Pirates, in that, you know, he, he's got uh interesting two plane movement and velo on his fastballs and is there a problem with him differentiating between the two uh bobby miller different even differentiates even less than luis ortiz and yet i haven't heard anybody really talk about it as a problem so do you think it's possible he has one fastball Oh, man, that's such a great question. Um, I, I guess it is a possibility. I would have to look through and see, you know, where if he references any of this in in interviews or anything like that. Yeah. And maybe maybe I'll do that while, while, while we're talking about it. It, it is what makes I, I again, this is not a fantasy podcast, but it is what kind of makes fantasy analysis such a pain in the butt because we have absolutely no idea what we're talking about when there is a lack of distinction between these pitches, right? And it does become difficult to bring it back to what we were talking about to then say, hey, just throw your four seam more. That does great. Well, it's like, well, not according to me. Your four seam is garbage. Let's throw, right. your, let's throw your sinker more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a different answer for that. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think while I look this up and see if he says he has a sinker, talk a little bit more about that. Let's go into the changeup a little bit because it's a pitch that he what throws the third least, but he he does kind of have a kind of kitchen sink approach, maybe a little bit, right? He 
like he, he's only thrown it about 60 times, but that would be third most. Um, and Brooks, really Brooks has some spring information in it. Um, mm-hmm. So it has a little bit more information. And in their numbers, uh, 12% of the time, 129 changeups uh, in the different starts that he's put together in front of the cameras. So, um, you know, it's not nothing. It's definitely a pitch that he uses. And, um, you know, 16% whiffs, uh, that's that's pretty good. It has good outcomes. Um, but if you define the changeup, so, you know, in Stuff Plus and just generally in changeup research, almost everybody, I think, defines the changeup movement off the fastball. Uh, what becomes difficult is, you know, a pitcher will have two fastballs. And so you have to decide which is which one you're defining it off of in 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 my stuff plus model which just looks at the physical characteristics of of different pitches we define it off the most thrown hard pitch in that game so Mm -hmm. we sort of define it game to game now if you do that a very interesting thing happens to bobby miller because if you define the four seam if you define the change up off the four seam it has a 10 mile an hour velocity gap it has a four inch uh, vertical gap and a three inch uh, horizontal gap those are all average or better. That would yeah. that would combine to give it a good stuff plus number, which it does have. Mm-hmm. If you define it off the sinker, he has a nine mile an hour gap, a two and a half inch vertical gap, and a one and a half inch horizontal gap. And that's generally below average. Yeah. Now, I looked at Brooks now because and Brooks has the four seam and the two seam flipped from Savat and says he throws a four seam most of the time, a two seam some of the times. If you look at his usage, the days that he uses the change up the most, he uses the four seam more. Huh. And, and it's not okay. exact science because there are days no. where he uses the change up in the sinker a lot, but, uh, you know. Uh, one of them is in Oklahoma City. Uh, so I don't know how much weight to put on that. A lot of times in the minor leagues, they're working on stuff. Uh, but in the majors, uh, the most of the time he uses the changeup, the most he uses it with a four seam. And the days that he uses the sinker the most, according to Brooks here, he doesn't use the changeup. Now, is that because maybe some of the changeups are being <laughs> registered as sinkers? Uh, I don't sinker. actually think so because you're talking about 99 versus 88. Yeah. So I I think those are easy to separate. But it does speak to uh, one nice thing that I see in Bobby Miller's profile is willingness to throw five pitches. You call it a kitchen sink approach. And then maybe um, uh, what I love, one of the things I love about, and we're not supposed to talk about other pitchers, but I will. I've already done it before and I will again. Uh, (laughs) One of the things I love about Luis Castillo is I think he's two pitchers in one. Luis Castillo used to be a sinker changeup guy. Yeah. And then uh and, and then he got taught the four seam and the slider. And then mm-hmm. Seattle, they were like, no, we want a little bit more of the four seam slider. But guess what? He's still a sinker changeup guy. So mm-hmm. if it comes to certain batters or certain games, if some pitch is not there for him or is not doing something, or he has other versions of himself he can be. And yeah. so when I see this changeup thing, I say, Oh man, Bobby Miller can be a four seam changeup guy mm-hmm. some days. And he can be a sinker slider guy in other days. And I bet you it has a lot to do with the makeup of the of the the lineup on the other side, their strengths yeah. and weaknesses, their their handedness, you know, how lefty and how righty they are. Maybe mm-hmm. against a fully righty thing, he's hey, I'm sinker slider all day. I'll throw in some curves and then we're done. 
It's yeah, it's a fantastic point. That, that was the one point I was I was I was going to make was I wonder in those games if we're believing what Brooks is saying about pitch categorization, if handedness played a factor, if there were you know because if you look at the handedness data so far, like we said at the top of the show, to right-handed hitters largely sinker slider, to lefties sinker with twenty percent changeup usage followed by an even mix of slider, fastball, curveball. Again, maybe the categorization is incorrect, or he has yeah, shown maybe those some. Aren't a lot of sinkers to lefties. People don't generally throw you know righty on lefty sinkers. Exactly. So maybe there is something interesting to note there, which which is is really fascinating. And you're hinting on something even bigger, which there is, man, I, can you remember the last time there was a 24-year-old prospect with this raw malleability to him, right? Usually a guy comes up and we know exactly what we're kind of pinpointing him as. Oh, you know, I, keep, I hate to keep beating up on Bryce Miller, and especially because it gets confusing. We're but talking about Bryce guy. and Bobby, he's but he's a fastball, fastball guy. guy. Yeah. He's a fastball guy. And it just like with some of the other guys in Seattle that you've talked about, aside from Luis Castillo, who have come up through that system, establish the fastball and will work on a breaking pitch for you. We saw it with Logan Gilbert. We saw it with and, um, they, and they teach uh, the they teach the sweeper to everybody. Logan Gilbert came up with the sweeper. It didn't. It, it, first of all, he's not the kind of guy you would teach a sweeper to. I don't think. Yes. Um, and then secondly, he just couldn't command it, which I think that goes hand in hand. Uh, and now he's the gyro guy. So, you know, they have figured out some of their secondaries at the major league level. So George Kirby has thrown three sliders since he's joined the major league team. He's on his third slider. I think this is the one. I think this is it. Yeah, this is it. This is it. Third time's a charm. Third time's a charm. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. So that actually brings it to a good conversation that we wanted to break down the high level concept. And even though we're getting into a little bit late and it's pertinent for us to talk about the one high level concept that we wanted to discuss was pronation versus supination. Right. So I want to start with a really fantastic quote that comes from the fan, you know, the amazing Brian Bannister in a tread athletics video with Tyler Zombro, who is also just I mean, I think, you know, him as well, just the kindest human uh, being in, in the world. Dude, so this man. is the this is the quote. Generally, if you can create big arm side movement and very small cutterish breaking ball movement, you are more pronation bias, right? And if you can create multiple breaking ball shapes, and especially if you can sweep the ball glove side horizontally, you are more supination biased. I don't know what methodology you use to remember the difference between pronation and supination, but for me, it's I'm pretending I'm eating soup from a spoon and bringing my hand to my, you know, my my fingers to my mouth, and that is supination, right? If I am bringing my palm up towards the sky, that's supination. If I am bringing my, uh, I'm using my right hand, my uh, the thumb on my right hand away towards the wall to the right of me, that is pronation, correct? That's very unique, uh, the soup thing. <laughs> I don't think it helps me. It's breaking my brain. Uh, you, you haven't heard the window shades? No, please. Maybe that's pulling, much more helpful. Pulling the window shades down is uh, pronation. 
Pouring the window. Okay. And I don't lifting know. The, them the up. other one is, I don't know. This one is, I just, the supination is easy. It's just that side of the ball. <laughs> I don't know. I never. <laughs> and I, we all need our Pronation is always the one I think that people have to explain. One thing that is, um, I think, confusing, but I'm going to throw it in here because it's a deep dive podcast, is that um, every pitcher, every person in on the planet pronates when they release the ball. Huh. Um, and so when you talk about like, oh, I hold, I hold my curveball like this. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that people hold their curveball like this and have a stiff wrist and want to like be so supinated like this um, is that when they release they turn over that curveball. Mm. Uh, it's a natural defense mechanism of your body that as you throw, you pronate. And so if you slow down any video of a curveball release, it's over here. And then as they release, they go like that. It's like mm. that's how you sort of turn that ball over, right? And sure. it's the same movement for changeup, but different grips. And so I, I, that confused people probably. But yes, generally, um, you know, people like Sonny Gray, when he puts his hand down on a table, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like this. I don't know if you can see this. It's like he can't. He's like this. He can't. Yeah. Flatten. He can't his get his hand. full palm on the table. On the table, he puts his like side and then his his fingers up. And so he was. They he went into Wake Forest and they were like, "We're going to teach you a four seamer. We're going to give you a four seamer with ride." Here we go, Sonny Gray. All right. What we want you to do is think pronation when you when you're throwing. You know, like really try to get behind the ball so that mm-hmm. you're like you're doing like this. You're going straight through the ball. Like really try that. And he said he tried as hard as he could, and one out of every four balls would have a ride. Interesting. So I think over time you throw a ton. You throw a ton of breaking balls. You become known as a breaking ball kid in your little league. In high school, you throw a bunch of breaking balls. You're Sonny Gray. You have the awesomest breaking ball that anyone's ever seen. Keep throwing that thing. And so you keep yeah. throwing that thing. And so then you sort of you, you have these biases and you sort of settle in to a mechanical footprint. Another way to spot this uh, came from my piece on the sweepers and, it, and, um, and their flaws. And I've got Chris Langan from Driveline saying... 100% spin efficiency is a pronator. And the reason that is, is because if you can pronate well, you're going to do that thing that Sonny Gray couldn't do, which is you're going to stay behind the ball and you're going to release behind the ball and you're going to give it that true vertical spin. That's 100% spin efficiency. So that gives it mm. tons of ride on the four seam. If you're 100% spin efficiency, that's a pronator. Um, and anything under five, 85% is more of a supinator. So those are people who cut the ball even on their fastballs. So they're cut ride guys. They're the uh, the sinker guys. A lot of them guys are over here. Sinker slider. That's that's over here. Four seam actually doesn't pair that badly with a changeup because you actually have some ability to pronate. Uh, so anyway, Bobby Miller. Yeah. Number one in the big leagues in fastball spin efficiency. So I would Very say we can safely say he mm-hmm. is a pronator. Yep. So this is why, and why, like, why are we breaking this down? People listening. One of the reasons, aside from just learning more about pitching concepts and also learning the language of pitchers, because if you were to have overhear a conversation between a pitching coach or a, a pitcher, they might be saying, "Well, I'm more pronation bias," or you know, "I'm more, you know, uh, I have a supination bias." The interesting thing that kind of cracks me up too is. It's not as easy to just say, man, if that guy just threw a sweeper, he would be great, right? Well, you need to look at their biases. You need to look at what their bodies are capable of doing, just like you said with that perfect Sunny Gray example, right? The, the, in my opinion, the, the, the foundation of good 
uh, pitch design and teaching a pitcher how to pitch is playing to their physical strengths, right? Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you need to have a foundation of pronation or versus supination, what they are more capable of doing. And as we kind of mentioned, if you want to reference who we think, can't definitively say, but I imagine we think is a good pronator, then you have a good example here in Bobby Miller, right? Um, At the same time, like, he gets a lot of horizontal movement for a pronator. He does. He does, which is interesting. It's all arm side, right? So that's a wonderful transition into the two pitches that we have not discussed yet. And, uh, you know, I I don't want these to go super long, but we should have a quick conversation about them at least. And we'll start with the slider, right? So, so far, that's that's the whiff pitch. Um, One of the things that I harp on in this podcast is there are a lot of different terms that a lot of different people use across the industry. We've already kind of hit upon it with pitch classification, right? And I would be wonderful to condense all of those terms and to get every major person in pitching together and say, hey, what are we calling run and what are we calling ride and what are we calling carry? And what, like that would, that's my dream. That's my dream is to like get a UN assembly together and say what, and how are we doing movement? Is it ride are we talking, or is it carry? Is it ride? Is it carry? Are we doing movement with or without gravity? Is, and everyone fade, can duke it out. Is fade to, is fade a two, uh, is fade in two directions or one? hundred percent. Like we need to have a symposium and just agree. <laughs> like I just want to do that. But anyway, to get back to the slider, it is what you would classify as a tight slider. It's not purely a gyro slider like you would see um, in from Luis Castillo. It is not like kind of the sweeper. It doesn't have an insane amount of horizontal break. It is a pure kind of tight slider. We've seen a relatively unique movement profile in a sinker, and we, you know, we have seen it in the four-seamer. The slider is a bit more run-of-the-mill. What makes it unique? Well, it's what what you know spoiled for us in the first three minutes. It's the velocity, right? Mm-hmm. It's the fifth highest slider velocity among starters. Fourth highest is for just talking about righties. I'm interested to hear your comp. To me, the closest comp in terms of negative five horizontal and one inch of induced vertical break and 89 to 90 miles an hour is Garrett Cole. It, it is kind of Garrett Cole's mm. slider in terms of that movement profile. Well, that's sexy um, time. It doesn't get any less sexy time on my comp list. Um, I just did. Uh, I didn't focus as much on the horizontal. I did uh, mm. over 90 miles an hour and drop uh, like mm. his. Um, the slider has added two ticks in the big leagues. Love that. I mean, it's <laughs> gone harder in the big leagues. So that's insane. Um Emmanuel Classe. <laughs> okay. Wow. I love it. Gregory Santos, who actually has a really, really good slider. But here's the, here's this craziest thing. It looks like DeGrom's crazy ass slider. It has two and a half inches more drop than DeGrom's nice. crazy ass slider. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I mean, I mean but- DeGrom's DeGrom was throwing at 93, 94 at times, but like, you know, this year's DeGrom, uh, it it's it's somewhere DeGromish, Colish, Classe-ish. I mean, it's in that, it's in a good class of, of sliders. I, I want to point then to the fact that this is twice now that when you have gone to your comps, you have said re- elite relievers, right? And now yeah, we're talking yeah, about exactly. <laughs> combining elite relief pitchers. Into a guy who can pitches. ostensibly go five. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Okay, so this is his best pitch by Stuff Plus, right? Um, and obviously, if you're listening, you're likely familiar with Stuff Plus. If you're not, you should check out you know his work on it because it's it's really going through the industry right now and it's really <laughs> changing the way people talk about pitching. Um, it's his best pitch by Stuff Plus, despite having a quote unquote 
average shape is the velo what gives it the boost overall or is it just the fact that that average shape actually doesn't matter because there are so many different classes of slider and what he does he does very well yeah i mean it's hard to have a a pitch a a breaking ball that's over 85 that's bad you know you can you can look at that driveline has some tweets out there about this i put it in some of my pieces uh but if you just look at the interaction between movement and velo uh and you cut it off at 85 it's like oh oh over 85 it's all red over here it's all great you know so um 85 is the target for any pitcher uh with their breaking with their with their hard breaking ball um and his is 90 so yeah. that's a big part of it. But I would also say that uh, there's a bit of a sliding scale where the harder you get, the less drop you'd expect, right? It's just, yeah. I mean, it's actually partially physics. It doesn't have as yeah. much time to drop, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but also um, just the way you're throwing it, it becomes more cutterish over time, more gyro, more cutterish, like just becomes a t- harder, tighter slider, as you called it. And I and I think that he actually has on the, that's why I focused on the vertical aspect of it. He actually has plus drop given the velo. Mm, interesting. So, you know, if you kind of zoom out, you might say not the greatest movement profile, but once you give the 90, yes, it is the 90, but also given 90 when you're looking at other places, like I said, Two and a half inches more drop than Degrom's, uh, which is you know the paragon of hard sliders today in the game. Also, though, perhaps uh, injurious, uh, just a little uh-huh. bit of a whiff of this. When Driveline looked at uh, biggest stressors, they wore the Moda sleeve while throwing. When they looked at the biggest stressors, it was Velo. However, um, uh, you know is also how close you are to your maximum Velo. That's mm-hmm. a stressor, and then they found that. Breaking balls generally have less stress. However, if you did stress per MPH, like if you accounted for miles per hour, breaking balls were slightly higher. So when you start throwing those breaking balls, 90, 93, 94, those become more stressful than a fastball at 93, 94. Interesting. Uh, so there is uh, some risk in this Bobby Miller profile. I mean, it started with, Bobby gas can you know if you do throw that hard you you are at more risk but he also throws a really hard slider he does so very very quickly because I want to get to our final questions here I want to talk about all pitches he he offers a curveball pitch he's thrown the least very very good results so far with a 90% swinging strike rate guys hitting it into the ground incredibly small sample in terms of movement more of a slurve right perfect mix between curveball and slider isn't necessarily a sweeper doesn't get that intense amount of horizontal likely because of the pronation bias that we just discussed Mm -hmm. negative 10 horizontal negative 12 vert 81 miles an hour in terms of my comp more Pablo Lopez, which is what I found in terms of velocity and horizontal and vertical spin mirroring is kind of interesting. You know, spin mirroring, we talk about the kind of 12 o'clock and six o'clock on spin access, which is a concept we'll get to in future episodes. His is that if you just kind of shifted it to 115 and 715, right? Mm-hmm. So that would mean a four seamer kind of going up and in and then the uh, curve four seam. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So are, what are your thoughts about the curveball before we get into our final uh, encapsulation of who Bobby Miller is as a pitcher? No, I, I didn't uh, didn't look, look for a comp. I just highlighted the fact that it's uh, one point six miles an hour faster than the average curveball. It has two and a half inches more drop than the average curveball. It has five inches more sweep than the average curveball and has 250 RPM more than the average curveball. So gotcha. it is, uh, you know, uh, there was some debate about, you know, how good this pitch is, even in the, the context of stuff plus. 
Um, I would say this is comfortably an above average pitch. And what it what I love about it more than what it is itself is that it exists um, and that it is distinct from the other pitches because uh, the one thing that I think messes with models and is super important to the longevity of a pitcher, their ability to turn the lineup over to just general quality is just how many pitches they have. And so, mm. um, you know, if you're talking about the two BMs, Bobby Miller and Bryce Miller, um, I'm, I'm going to say that I'd r- probably rather have Bobby because um, he's shown this aptitude for more pitches. He's got them in his bag. He's even changed the aspect. He's changed the slider on the go while he's been in the big leagues. Yeah. Um, and so he's shown this sort of touch and ability, uh, coachability, and a wide arsenal along with the velo. And I don't think he's really shown... If I was going to put any asterisk on this in terms of what worried me, I guess there would be maybe the stress on the elbow with the, 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 how hard it throws. I don't think that command is that. I don't think I see uh, terrible command that, you know, that's that's a problem. And I'm not sure that the differential between the two fastballs is a problem. So, okay. you know, two things I'm not sure is a problem and one is kind of a problem for everybody. All right. The the last two things that I want to hit upon here are what my favorite things to do is try and get a peek into what uh, organizational mentalities are. Right. We can go back to Seattle. They seem to clearly like guys who have very good four seamers. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't hunt them out and they just get lucky in finding them. But if you were to encapsulate Seattle's rotation, you would say very, very good four seamers, really good carry. And then we'll figure out what a secondary pitch is. Some of them is a sweeper. Some of them is a splitter. Some of them is a slider like Luis Castillo. When we're talking about Bobby Miller, um, knowing what you know about him, knowing what you know about other Dodger pitchers, what do you think that they are looking for? Is it just Velo? They have that highlight under a blackboard and go find it? Or is there anything else? No, I think um, there's... Uh, there's something about Bobby Miller that's really intriguing to me, which is um, like when I said that Luis Castillo's two pitchers, like I feel like there's two pitchers, there's two Bobby Millers in here. And, yeah. you know, um, there's kind of the sinker change guy and there's the, 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 the sinker slider guy and the four seam change guy. And um, given that his, he's got this crazy two plane fastball, I think, it's probably likely that Bobby Miller was drafted on Velo. Um, mm. But when I see this, I see an organization that is not prescriptive. And um, I think you could have easily looked at a guy who had a sinker um, and uh, a change up and said, let's give you a sweeper. Mm. Maybe they tried giving him a sweeper. Yeah, I maybe. Don't know. But you're not throwing a sweeper now. So what I see here is reactivity, re, the the ability to react, to to sort of give the guy what fits for him. Mm. Um, mm. And I think that's what the hardest thing to do uh, developmentally uh, as an organization, because you have so many players that, uh, and so many of them just honestly may never make it. Of course. And so, yeah if you spend a lot of organizational energy thinking about every single player, then you could get lost in the weeds on every single player. Use a lot of organizational think time on some players that will never make it. And so you see the guys, you see the teams like the Mariners and the Dodgers and the Yankees. I mean, Mariners and Yankees have more prescriptive things. Hayden Wesnensky, Clark Schmidt, 
You know, sure. the Yankees were like, oh, I think the Yankees were like, if you're under 85% spin efficiency, go over in the camp over there and learn the, <laughs> the sweeper and the sinker. Yeah. And if you're at 100%, you go hang out with like the Luis yeah. Severino crowd and learn the hard slider over here. Right. You know, Put your hand on a table. Everyone come put your hand on a table. And if you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If your palm touches go over, over there. there. <laughs> Um, and the Mariners were like, Hey, let's just teach everybody a sweeper and see how that works. Um, the Dodgers, I I would say when you look at stone, uh, you look at Emmett Sheehan, you look at these guys, I don't know. There seem to be, maybe they have an algorithm that's like, Oh, if you're this, then we do this coaching wise, but it Mm. seems like a really good algorithm that has lots of different ways to be because there's nothing similar about Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone and uh, Michael Grove and, Grove and yep. Ryan Pepio. And maybe Pepio is a little bit Miller-esque, but he just has like terrible command. And he has like a plus changeup that goes flying in the other direction. I don't think he's actually liking any of the other guy. Pepio's uh, changeup is like this crazy horizontal thing. Grove uh, Stone's changeup is this crazy vertical thing. You know, they have like I think they must have like you know if if there were two archetypes in 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 the, in the Yankees organization, the Dodgers have like five. Maybe it's that simple. They're like okay, if you're one of these five archetypes, if you're him, you learn. If you're I, I kind of when I look at. Um, uh, Gavin Stone, I think Tony Gonsolin. So I, I, I'm like, if you if you look like this, you learn the Tony Gonsolin. You get on the Tony Gonsolin trade. If you look like this, you get on the Clayton trade. You know, like they just have, I think, multiple ways to kind of assess a guy. We could do an entire other podcast about this, but the quick thing that I'll say, which gets me excited about hearing you say that, it is an organizational mentality that clearly works. And why I think it may work is because now you're talking about showing batters different looks every starting pitcher, right? Whereas you're not saying, hey, here's our four-seam sweeper guy. Tomorrow, guess what? We got a four-seam sweeper guy. You know what's coming Wednesday? So, and and also, batters have gotten better over sweepers over time. So exactly. if, you, if you had a whole rotation full of sweepers, you wouldn't be in the best place right now. 100%. And then you add in the bullpen, right? Because you are saying, well, now I've got a whole stable of arms that can play off different guys based off of their movement profiles. You expand the looks that batters are seeing. You make it difficult for them over the course of a series. It's very interesting stuff. And like I said, we could talk about that forever, but I have to be able to get you out of here at some point. The, the, there's a final question, and we'll keep it quick, and then there's a quick TLDR. What should people know about Bobby Miller? The final question. We just said... This man could have <laughs> Jacob DeCrom's slider and Hunter Green's four-seamer and all of these other comps, but he's got a 26% K rate. Um, and while the Ks have theoretically been there at some point in the minors, he could be like a Dustin May and that it's a power sinker with not a lot of strikeouts. Are we going, in your mind, is this just a 23-inning sample and we're going to see more Ks moving forward as we see the different Bobby Millers? Or even with those elite names that we've mentioned, this is what we think he is. Excellent question. Uh, the organizationally, the Dodgers have leaned into the super sinker crowd. As you notice, you said Bruzdar, Gratterall, they had Blake Trinan. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they have embraced people that will strike few, uh, fewer batters out, but maybe give up uh, fewer homers and uh, fewer balls in play. Um, and you've seen Dustin May underperform his expected strikeout rates, his stuff plus. Uh, in a similar way. Is there a risk here with this? I do think so. I think it has something to do with 
vertical movement ride and and drop being better associated with whiffs and horizontal movement being better associated with ground balls mm-hmm. um and, and suppressing contact however i just uh i've been a dustin may supporter uh and i will be a bobby miller supporter i can't imagine he has a home run problem or has a 350 babip uh in a given season in the big big leagues with this kind of stuff so yeah, you, you kind you. of limit the worst case scenarios and I, you know his minor league track record had a bunch of k's in it he basically had mm-hmm. a 30 percent k rate till he hit triple a for the second time and that was 14 innings Yep, 100%. And fascinating, too, is the movement profiles have changed because of the environmental factors coming out of the PCH um, or the PCL, excuse me, Pacific Coast League. Um, Lastly, you're in an elevator and people don't want to listen to 46 minutes of us doing an intensive breakdown on Bobby Miller, which they should because this was a fantastic episode. You know, we talked about the rising slider. We talked about his unique four-seam shape, his Garrett Cole-esque slider or Jacob deGrom-esque slider, unique changeup, interesting spin mirror-ish curveball. But... If you're trying to boil down Bobby Miller, do you just say he's fun movement profiles, but a heck of a lot of velocity? Is that how you would sum him up? Yeah, but uh, it's it's giving a little bit um, not enough credit to his pitchability. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a guy you, you if you put him in the same bin as Hunter Green, I think too many people hear. OK, so he's just uh, grip it and rip it to pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy has five pitches, you know, and, and it doesn't look like he has terrible feels. So. I would say that uh, among all the pitchers we've seen this year, and we've seen some really excellent uh, young pitchers, he's my favorite. Wow. Love it. So that explains the tattoo, because uh, Ina's got a new <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> all right. Listen, that is going to do it for this episode. You know, I can't thank you enough. I mean, man, listen, anytime I could talk with you, it's great. But when we could spend 48 minutes talking about one pitcher, that's awesome. A litany of fantastic information on this episode. Thanks for taking the time to join us, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.